0: Welcome to another inspirational teaching by Pastor Mike Foreman, Senior Pastor of the First Baptist Church of Level Plains. For more information about Pastor Mike and the church, please visit our website at www.fbclp.life. Let's join Pastor Mike now as he shares from God's Word. Amen. <laughs> Well, if you have a copy of God's word, begin to find the gospel of Luke chapter 17, Luke 17. We are looking at yet another parable as uh, we gather together. It's been a, a great time. Uh, I've really enjoyed looking at parables together and um, and I really was not intending at all to preach this particular parable. Um, it was not on my list to do. And as I was preparing uh, and looking at what I was going to preach today, uh, I just really felt compelled that uh, that parable needed to wait until uh, July. And so I'm going to uh, not leave you uh, hanging. I will come back to the parable in which I was going to preach today. Um, I will actually do that in a little mini series. Of three parables that really need to be preached together, and I thought you would appreciate me breaking them up rather than try to preach three parables in one Sunday. Uh, we would be here until our picnic tonight, but that's a good thing. I'm going to feed you at 5:30, so you know all you got to do is get through for a while. A little intermittent fasting is always good; cleans out the system. So anyway, uh, so I'm not going to uh, to preach what I was planning, but I'm going to uh, preach yet another. One of those difficult parables because um, the Lord led me that direction, and obviously, it's a word that He wants us to hear this morning. And I want you to think about, for a minute, servitude. I want you to think about being a servant. Specifically, thinking about being a servant of the Lord. What does that entail? What does that look like? How do you feel as you serve the Lord? I want you to think about that for a minute because I'm going to most likely challenge you with some thinking that is going to disturb you a little bit, but I pray at the end we'll wrap it up where you'll understand where Jesus is coming from, and uh, I pray that my exegesis is on tap today and that we are looking at this parable rightly together, but as I was led to this parable, parable and began to read the parable, I have to be honest with you, it sort of shocked me. Uh, It's not something we think about very often. It's not something that we consider. And so um, I I hope and pray that it'll teach you something uh, as we go through. So the parable, remember, has one thought, right? One particular idea that which Jesus is getting across. And so this parable is the same. We have one continuous thought through there. Um, And so we find, and I'm just going to jump into the text, Luke's Gospel, chapter 17, We're going to pick up in verse 5. You'll find, first of all, what I've been calling these few weeks together, the purpose of the parable. I know I threw you off a little bit, Casey, by not reading all those verses together. But look at what Jesus says in answer to a question. Here's the purpose of the parable. And the apostles, verse 5, Luke 17 says, And the apostles said to the Lord, Increase our faith. Now, that seems like a very good question, doesn't it? I mean, how many of us in this room, as if we're walking with Jesus, would not like for Jesus to increase our faith? All of us would. All of us would say, Jesus, do something to deepen, to grow, to give me more faith. We would pray those things. We would desire those things in our life. But unfortunately for most, the reason why we desire those things is to accomplish great things, big things. We, we desire sometimes, and the disciples struggled with pride. They struggled with the idea that if I have great faith, I can do some great things. As a matter of fact, in our, in our society today, in, in Christian teaching today... If you listen to the radio or you listen to TV preachers, they talk about great faith is that which gives you this sensational life. The nice clothes, the nice cars, the big houses, healing, if you need healing. They have taken faith and really said, if you have enough faith, you'll have enough money, enough healing, enough wisdom. The problem with that is they haven't read this text. (laughs) They haven't really read what Jesus is going to say to these men who said, Lord, give us more faith. It sounds spiritual and it sounds like a, a question we all have asked some point in time in our life, especially when you go through something difficult. And perhaps what stirred the hearts and the minds of these guys, if you read the first four verses of this chapter, Jesus talks about offenses. He said, hey, sinning, temptation's going to come. And he says, sin's going to come. And then he warns about being careful that you're not the one who causes other people to sin. But then he talks about forgiveness. He says, if your brother sins against you seven times a day, forgive him seven times a day. Can you imagine how hard that must be? You're listening to Jesus talking. You're saying, well, you know, Lord, it's going to take a whole lot of faith to do that. Amen? And so they say, naturally, Lord, would you just give us more faith? It's not uncommon. We all have asked somewhere along our journey, Lord, give us more faith. I'm not going to make it without more faith. Jesus answers the question. Remember, we're talking about the parable now as he's giving us the purpose of it. Now he answers the question, verse 6, and notice what he says. And the Lord says, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry bush, no doubt Jesus pointing to some kind of shrub or tree that, that is standing there, he points to them. He said, be uprooted and be planted in the sea and it would obey you. There's the problem. The problem is Jesus. That's the kind of stuff I want to do. I want to be able to say, Mulberry Butch, be planted in the sea. I want to do that. That's what we're looking for. We think Christianity is based on, because we've been sold on this, this lot, been based on sensationalism. That if I can just have enough faith, even if it's the faith of a mustard seed, that I can just say to a tree, be removed, or Jesus would say earlier, mountains be moved our great desire. I just want to move stuff. I want to have faith so I can accomplish some things. Amen. So, so I can accomplish some great feats. Let me just tell you something. Jesus is describing faith here, not in the sense of sensationalism, because he notice he talks about faith is if I had the faith of a mustard seed, let me, let me just tell you what Jesus is describing here. Jesus is helping us to see that it is little faith that accomplishes much. That that it's not that I have a lot of quantity of faith in order that I can do great things for God. No, it's that little mustard seed of faith. It is that faith that I have. Now, why is it little faith that accomplishes much? Because let me describe faith, because here's what the problem is. The problem is we want more faith because we have misaligned or misdefined faith. Faith that Jesus is talking about in a mustard seed is that faith by which, revolves around three things. Number one, it is what the Hebrew writer says in chapter 11 of Hebrews that faith believes in God. Amen. That we believe that there is God, that he created everything that we see. We believe in him, but the faith of the Bible is not just that we believe in him because you have his son, Jesus, who we have faith in. And that ties it into the second thing. Not only do I believe by faith that there is a God, but I believe that by faith there is a God who has a relationship with me through his son, Jesus Christ, who bore all the penalty of my sin in his own flesh on the cross of Calvary. He died and was buried, but praise God, rose again on the third day. Casey, I hate to tell you, can we cut the monitor off? It's reverbing back on me. And that's kind of like messing me up here. (laughs) I feel like something's wrong with my ear, but, and maybe it is. I don't know. Thank you, Casey. And so when we begin to think about faith and defining faith, first of all, yes, God, I believe there's God. I have faith in him, Hebrews 11, but I have a relationship with this awesome God through his son, Jesus Christ. That's faith. But the third element of that is this, that that faith in which I have is a growing faith. Faith. I want you to think about the mustard seed. Jesus earlier would help us to understand the mustard seed is the smallest of seeds. Now it's not indeed the smallest seed, but in the economy of the day, that's what they understood was small. And so it's a small seed in which once it was planted and Jesus likened it to the kingdom of God, that once it was planted, it would become a humongous tree. They tell us about 15 feet tall. And he said said it this way. And the birds would come and nest in this tree. We don't usually think of a small seed producing such a great mass of a product. But it did, didn't it? What Jesus is helping us to see is that not only is there faith in God. Not only is there faith in him through relationship with him. But listen, that faith in which I have is a continual growing faith. That is, it's not getting more. But it is a growing faith. That is, in my walk with Jesus, as I walk with him, I am maturing in that relationship. I am maturing in my faith walk. Does that make sense? Are you with me? Say amen if you understand what I'm saying. So Jesus is talking about faith here, and he's not talking about it in sensationalism, because here's the next thing you need to know. When Jesus said, you'll say to this mulberry bush, be planted up and cast into the sea... The thing we need to ask ourselves, is God really concerned with you and I moving mulberry bushes from here to the sea? Is God really concerned with that? Is God really concerned that you'll say, to this mountain be removed and be cast in the sea? You know what Jesus is saying here? Jesus metaphorically is saying we can accomplish great things with small faith, but it's those things in which are in the will of God. Can I ask you, is it God's will that we move mountains? I don't think it is. Not physical, literal mountains. Not trees. I, I don't think God's concerned about those things. I think we concern ourselves with those things. But God's not concerned with those things. What God is concerned with is in your faith. Are you trusting him? Are you walking with his son Jesus in relationship? And is your faith growing on a daily basis? And if that is the, the quality of your faith, then listen, then you will be able to accomplish great things for the Lord. And by the way, the disciples did, didn't they? Jesus promised them, He said, you will accomplish even greater things than he accomplished. He accomplished some humongous things, didn't he? The greatest thing Jesus accomplished was his death and burial and his resurrection from the dead in order to save us. That's a great accomplishment. I don't know how we can even top that. But Jesus said, you're going to accomplish great things. We're going to be involved in the process of God discipling people. We're going to be planting seed and people are going to get saved. We're going to be watering seed and people are going to get saved. It's incredible what God has allowed us to do, isn't it? I mean, when you begin to think about your life and I think about my life, then it's incredible that God would even use us to begin with. But God is going to do that. And so Jesus begins by answering the simple question of these disciples. Hey, can you give us more faith? Jesus said, you don't need more faith. What you need is to keep the faith. Amen? What you need is your faith to be in the Father. Your faith needs to be in the relationship that you have with me. And your faith needs to be growing. Why? Because it's out of that that you will serve God. And out of that you will accomplish great things. Now, let me just tell you that some people don't tie these two parables together or or rather the teaching and the parable together. They say that they're different, but I want you to understand the conjunction in which God uses. Notice what he says right after he says, you don't need more faith. He tells them in in verse six, uh, that they have the faith of a mustard seed. And then Jesus immediately notice what Jesus did in verse seven. He says, and which of you? Jesus immediately ties in these two texts. So he talks about faith. And what Jesus is going to help us to understand ultimately is this. That faith, and I'm going to give you the, here's the main principle. And we're going to come back to it at the end. The main principle of this this parable is this. That it will take faith for you to serve God. Amen. It will take faith for you to serve God. Why? Because, listen, serving God, serving God, listen, serving God is your duty and responsibility. We've forgotten all about that, hadn't we? Now, that doesn't negate anything we talked about a few months ago when we talked about being a Jesus follower. We said everything that we do is born out of relationship with Jesus Christ. So even when I serve God, listen, even when I'm serving God out of my responsibility and duty in my relationship with him, it is born out of my relationship with Jesus Christ. I hope you'll see that as we go through the text. So here's the hard parable. Listen to what Jesus said. Here's the parable itself, beginning verse 7. He said, which of you, having a servant, and by the way, let me just interpret that word for you. The word that's being used there is not the word servant as we would think of a butler. It is the word slave. It is the word doulos. It is the word that talks about a galley slave. This is is a low-life slave. In the house. So Jesus is saying, and which of you having a slave plowing and tending sheep will say to him when he has come in from the field, Come at once and sit down to eat. Now, Jesus is asking a lot of questions in this parable that all require a no answer. He said, how many of you, if you have a slave who's outside and listen, this is some kind of farm in which they're, you know, they're on this little short, small farm and there's the guy, he's out there and he's plowing, he's working and he's tending the sheep. And then the end of the day comes, it's time to punch the clock at six. And so the end of the day comes and they go into the house. Does the master say to the slave when they walk into the house, Hey, come on, man, let's just sit down and have a meal together. Is that what he does? He doesn't do that. Notice the text. The the parable goes on and says in verse 8. But rather, rather, he says to him, prepare something for my supper. Gird yourself and serve me till I eat and drunk. And and afterward, you will eat and drink. So what does the master do with the slave? The slave comes in and he says to him, hey, it's time for you to cook supper. Amen. Some of y'all say that's a mama, right? That's. That's mama being described there. I don't know. But but listen, here's what Jesus is getting at. Jesus says the master is going to expect the servant, the slave, to do his duty. He's not expecting him to go inside and sit down and his day is done because that's not the end of his day. He is now going to have to cook supper. And Jesus said, go ahead and put the supper on. And then to gird yourself means to go get cleaned up. Because you're not going to serve me in those filthy clothes and dirty hands. Go and get cleaned up and then come back and wait on me. And then after I'm done, after I'm satisfied, then you can sit down and you can eat. Now, we would expect it. Listen, the people listening to that parable would not expect any different. Why? Because even though the Bible never, never accepts and condones slavery, it understood it very well. And the people around in that society understood what a slave was. As a matter of fact, in some instances, slaves had it better than the free man. Sometimes the free man would go day to day working a job, hoping to find a job in order to meet his needs from day to day. The slave had it made. Even though he had to work hard, even though his days were arduous and long, listen, at the end of the day, he had food to eat. He had a place to lay his head down. He was taken care of. Think about that. So Jesus says he's going to feed him. Now notice what Jesus does. This is the part we don't like. Listen to what Jesus does. He's going to turn this on the disciples. Listen to how he does it, verse 9. He said, does he thank the servant because he did the things that were commanded him? Does Does the master say, hey, thank you. I appreciate all your servitude today. Jesus says these words, I think not. See, the servant, the slave should not expect the master to say, hey, thanks, you're a slave. You belong to him. You're his property. Are you following the line of thinking? Then Jesus does the unimaginable to us today. I mean, this freaks us out as Christians today. Because listen to what Jesus does. Jesus in the last verse says, and so likewise, you, oh, who, me? Yeah, you. Disciple, Listen, listen to what he says. And likewise you, when you have done all those things which are commanded, saying, or say this, we are unprofitable servants. We have done what was our duty to do. Folks, can I just be honest with you? Jesus is giving us a hard line of saying, listen, your responsibility as a follower of Jesus is to serve God. And in serving God, listen, here's our problem. In serving God, we want an attaboy. We want a pat on the back. We want to be acknowledged. And and if people don't acknowledge us, then we'll just quit serving. Can I tell you, serving God sometimes is lonely. Sometimes serving God is hard. Sometimes it is demanding and long hours. Can I just be honest with you? Sometimes serving God, that's the way it is. But how dare us? compare and say, well, God, you owe me an attaboy. That's what Jesus is saying. Think about that for a minute. Let that sink into your heart because that's not what we sold Christianity on. What we sold Christianity on and serving God on is, you know, make sure you thank everybody. Make sure you give everybody, you know, a pat on the back. You know, we've got to keep everybody motivated by thanksgiving in order to keep them serving. And Jesus is saying, the master of the house is not going to say to the slave, thank you. It's not going to happen. Yet, Jesus, like in his says, when we serve God, we ought to call ourselves unprofitable servants. That word unprofitable is it's an interesting word. The word means that, number one, first of all, you're replaceable. That's kind of interesting when you begin to think about a definition of unprofitable. It means you are replaceable. But unprofitable also means to have no distinct value. Now, he's not talking about the individual not having, to, but it's a service. So what is Jesus saying? What is Jesus trying to get at here? What is Jesus' point in this parable? Here it is that somehow we have to realize that anything that I ever do in service to God is not done in my will or my strength or my power, but in His. Listen to the way Jesus says it in John 15, 5. I'm the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. See, all that I do for the kingdom of God is being done by him through me. See, here's the problem. I want to take my work and I want to put it up on a screen And I want it to be boasted, and I want it to be praised, and I want it to be honored, and I want it to be glorified by God. But then all God has to do is slip aside the work of Christ, and there's no comparison, is there? Think about that. Can I compare what I do for what Jesus has done? I can't. I can't. But that's what we're trying to do. Well, I'm just living to hear that. Well done, that good and faithful servant. Like, you know, man, I've been preaching all these years. God's going to pat me on the back, brother Ed. He's going to say, well done, Mike. Boom, come on into the kingdom of God. I'm going to tell you something. Listen to me, friend. Even if God says that to me, and I pray that I'll hear some words whispered in my heart like that. But even if God says that to me, listen, that's but the grace of God rewarding me, not because of the effort I put forth, but because of the grace that he has. Did you hear what I said? If God gives us a well done, thou good and faithful servant, any rewards you may receive in heaven, listen, it is done not out of the profit that you have earned. Listen, there's not a single person in this room, listen, there is nobody who can do anything, be smart enough, be wise enough, know the Bible enough, do all these religious things, listen, at the end of the day, for God to say, wow, I'm just so impressed. Because you know what that does? That, put, that puts God in our debt. And no, God will never be in anybody's debt. God doesn't owe you a darn thing, amen. You hear me? He doesn't owe you anything. All you get is by grace. Salvation's by grace. Listen, you're living by grace. And listen, when you get a reward in heaven, it's by grace. We got to quit serving God. Listen, we got to quit serving God with this lousy attitude. That says, well, nobody's thanking me. It's hard. It's tiring. And we want to sit down and we want to eat the meal now. Listen, you're going to eat the meal later. You need to start serving God now. Because listen, that's your duty. That's your responsibility as a follower of Christ. Nothing legalistic in that term. Nothing legalistic about what Jesus is saying. But that's what we ought to be doing. That's what he just said here. Serve. The principle, (laughs) serve. I wrote down two phrases because I didn't want to forget them, so I wrote them down that uh, I pray will help bring some clarity as we sort of wrap it up. Because here's the problem. The disciples, and myself at least, I won't speak for you, but I think it's probably so of most of us, is that what we do is we struggle in this servitude of wanting at the end of the day for God to say, well done, now good and faithful servant, because we think our work is all that in a box of chocolates. Amen. The disciples, as a matter of fact, you remember, they struggled with that because the disciples, you remember, that Jesus sent them out two by two. And when they came back, do you remember what they did? When they came back to Jesus, here's what they did. They rejoiced. And they began to tell Jesus all the great stuff they did. Man, we healed the sick. We did this. We did that. And Jesus, like, throws a bucket of cold water on them remember what jesus said to them hey don't don't you you're you're rejoicing in the wrong stuff what should you be rejoicing in that your name is written in the lamb's book of life that's what you ought to be rejoicing in see see jesus all the time reminding us it's not about the sensational but that's what we want christian you're looking for the sensational service listen i'm not the missionary across the pond well so what Serve where God has planted you. Be faithful where God has put you. Do your duty that God has called you to. Amen? I'm not a preacher by choice. God called me. I wanted to retire from the Air Force. That's what I wanted to do. God said, no, that's not what I want you to do. I want you to go and preach. And so I did. You got lucky. You got to retire. But, you know, listen, I don't regret it. I don't regret it, but neither do I at the end of the day think God's going to go, well, man, he left the Air Force and the comfort of all that military. Boy, he's such a good boy. a boy, Mike. Two phrases and I'll be done, I promise. And a verse. <laughs> I want to sum it up. Here's the conclusion of the matter. Two things. Number one, I'm just going to read them because it's easier for me to remember them. But do we want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant? Of course we do. And we may very well hear those words, but listen again, it's not because we earn them or deserve them. It will all be words spoken to us in grace. Let me say it this way. To seek a reward for the sake of our own work is wrong. Jesus said we are unprofitable slaves. We seek the reward because he, listen, he knew that He was working in and through us, and our reward, listen, is for His glory, not our own. In grace, He rewards us, not because of our effort. If that was the case, I wonder how much we'd lose because of the effort we don't put in. Here's the beauty of it, though. Do you want to hear? Well done, thou good and faithful servant, sir. We do. Do we want to sit down and eat a meal with Jesus? Sure we do. Here's how we wrap it all up. Here's here's the motivation. You ready for it? Luke 12, 37, Jesus says, Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, find watching. Assuredly, I say to you that he will gird himself, have them sit down to eat, and will come. And serve them. Woo! Jesus. Is going to serve. The faithful. Amen. 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 In the meantime. It's not time to eat. It's time to work. One day. The dinner bell will start a ringing. And God will call you home to glory. And then you can sit at the table. And you can rest in Christ. And he'll serve you. In the meantime, keep the farm clothes on and do your duty. Let's pray. Thank you for listening today. And remember, you can find more information about Pastor Mike and the church at our website, www.fbclp.life.